bull weevils in the cotton patch, can't get them out. And it's all that we have to talk about. We've got good people and their beliefs. What we need for the people is a farm relief. And it looks to me we should all agree. What we need for the people is a farm relief. We can eat sow belly with turnip greens. But we sure do have to plan and scheme. We all start working at the break of day, and we don't get credit, and we don't get... Hello, uh, welcome back to the American Writers, 100 Pages at a Time podcast. Uh, in this episode, I will be looking at the first half or so of Death in the Family um, by James Adji. I guess the title is actually A Death in the Family, just to be... Be clear, A Death in the Family by James Adji. It's published in 1957. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Adji posthumously. It was published posthumously. Um, so it was actually uncomplete when he finished. So there's like a, some sections that I think the editors didn't quite know where he intended them to be or he didn't tell them. So they just put them places. So there, there's some fragmentary bits. Um, but uh, more or less the novel was, was close to completion. He worked on it a very, very long time. Um, it's autobiographical, like both of his novels, including uh, The Morning Watch, which I'll look at later. Um, both are autobi- Both of those are autobiographical. This one especially is autobiographical. It's recounting an event that happened to Adji when he was young. I'll read from the chronology what happened to them. So Adji was born in 1909. This event happened in 1916, so he's seven, eight years old. Um, on May 16th, as J. Adji, that's his father, same name as the character in the book. Uh, they're the follets in the book, but it's very, very closely based on his own experiences. So on May 16th, as J. Adji is returning to Knott'sville after visiting his own ailing father in the hills, his car hits an embankment, flips over, he dies instantly. James, his mother, and his younger sister move out of the family's house, but continue to live in Knott'sville near mother's family. So those are the events that are recounted in, in A Death in the Family. Um, now, as for the rest of this series on Adji, I was thinking of doing four episodes, one on A Morning Watch, two on Death in the Family, and then, a couple on the, and then one more on the stories. But The Morning Watch is so short, um, and I'm not sure how much I have to say about it, so I'll just combine that with three short stories. Because essentially, The Morning Watch is a, is a novelette almost. It's only maybe a novella. I'm not sure how it would be classified, but very, very really works maybe best to look at it as a, one of the pieces of short fiction. So that gives us three episodes to complete this, this series. Um, so anyways, uh, this novel, uh, it's one I kind of grappled with. When I read uh, Let Us Now Praise Famous Men years and years ago, I, I kind of skimmed Death in the Family. It didn't really strike me as that interesting. Um, and kind of, I, I, I haven't really changed my view on that. I find it, like, there are books I tackle with and I wrestle with and I grapple with and I, and I, and I kind of spar with the author um, you know, and it's not always really a pleasurable experience. I, I think of Joyce that way, and definitely you can feel the influence of Joyce in this in this book. But you you, you feel, um, you know, with those novels, you feel you kind of the challenge is the what's interesting about it, the challenge, the the grappling, the wrestling with it. I don't think this novel reaches that level, and it's just sort of boring, I guess. I, I rarely say that on this podcast. As you probably know, I, I'm pretty much a, a, a literary slut, and I, and I sort of like everything I, I read. But this novel really has a... Really, I just 
don't really like it, I guess. Um, I will say, though, it's interesting at times. It, I think the approach is interesting, and I think what he's trying to do is interesting. It's, it's kind of like a, the same way I feel about Let Us Now Praise Famous Men sometimes, although I like that book a lot more. In both, it's like very challenging, and it's really taxing on the reader, and I'm not sure always what he's trying to say, um, and it's more about experience and feeling and, and, and kind of the moment. And it's very modernist, actually. I, and I, again, I keep thinking about Joyce when I, read the, when I read this because he's really doing the Joycean thing. He's got the different points of view, a lot of internal uh, stream of consciousness, uh, a lot of literary placefulness. There's like a scene in, I think it's in like the second chapter where it's like two pages of just uh, car noises, a car trying to start. Of course, this is before World War One, before the U.S. joined World War One, So um, it's like, it must be a Model T or something. I don't know. I didn't read it closely to get like the make of the car or, or something. But, um, anyways, let's let's jump into this a little bit. Um, so maybe this one, it's it's there's not many characters, so let's let's talk about them. Um, kind of the edgy stand-in is 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 a character named Rufus Follett. It, it's the last name's Follett. Kind of an unfortunate name. Kind of a bit distracting. <laughs> a bit old-fashioned. Um, James. I mean, he he could have just called him James Follett, I guess, but. Rufus, get, create some distance. Um, and all these different characters of points of view, I, I think maybe the the points of view from the children is interesting, and, and maybe the interaction between children and adults is is an interesting part of this book. Um, but their parents, Jay Follett and Mary Follett, Jay's the one who dies in the first half of, of the book. Um, Catherine Follett is the younger sister of, of Rufus. Um, and then Mary's no, sorry, Jay's brother is named Ralph. There's also a grandfather who's kind of important in the background of the story. Uh, Rufus's grandfather on the father's side, Jay's father. Um, more important to the story are uh, Mary's uh, parents, because, of course, Jay dies. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's in the title, but um, so <laughs> I think it's autobiographical. So it's no secret what happens here, but... Uh, they do a lot of the supporting. They do a lot of the vi vigil waiting with, with Mary as they're waiting for the news. Uh, anyways, it's Joel and Catherine Lynch. That's, that's the maiden name for, for Mary. So Joel and Catherine, those are the parents of Mary. And then uh, Joel's sister is named Hannah. So that would be Rufus's great aunt. Um, and then Mary's brother is Andrew Lynch. And he plays a very important role too because he's the one who brings the news of, of Jay's death. Uh, to to Mary, so I think those are the most important characters to to keep in keep in mind uh, as as you read it. Um, and often we only get like a one or maybe in some cases two chapters to really get into the heads of these these characters, um, some of the minor ones at least. But we do get a good window into all of these into these characters. Um, I will say, if you like this book, if you like this type of prose, if you like this type of storytelling. Um, this book does have a lot of rich detail, right? So, like, when you read chapter one, um, it's, it's Rufus and Jay going to a Chaplin movie, and you get all these wonderful details about, like, the mother thinking Chaplin's kind of vulgar. You get uh, a sense that Jay drinks, maybe not a whole lot, but drinks a little too much because, you know, he take, after the movie, he takes his son to the bar, but more subtle, he like eating these Tic Tacs, kind of like the, you know, breath freshener or the 
the man who throws his clothes in the washer as soon as he gets home to get the smell keep the smell of women off it you know those kinds of little secrets it's ways of covering up those little secrets um for him it was these uh lifesavers that's just not tic tacs they're, they were lifesavers uh, candy um you know that you get the sense that maybe he's an alcoholic but since this chapter is from rufus's point of view you, you don't really pick up on those things consciously you you as a adult reader pick up on it but it's not something that that he would have noticed it, it's actually a really kind of pretty chapter that talks about the just this relationship between these two people who are very much uh love each other so it's, it's a very good family that's one thing where we're that's one thing that makes a tragedy right this isn't a broken family this isn't a family that has trouble maybe uh Jay's brother Ralph is the most problematic character, but pretty much everyone else is likable. Everyone else has uh, good features. Uh, there's a lot of support in the family, so it's not like this death in the family is something that like shatters a, a, a breaking family. I mean that that family is going to endure um, uh, and survive. You know, of course, there's a whole life after that. There's, there's a whole lifetime after that of things to happen. But you know, in the context of the book, it's it's a stable family. So there, maybe that's one reason maybe the novel does seem a bit boring to me, maybe to other readers, is that it just doesn't, just, it's lacking maybe some of the drama and the tension that, that, that we're used to in, 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 in literature. Um, this is much more a in-depth study of this thing that happened to, to James Edgy when he was, he, was, he was young. And he obviously thought about his entire life, so much so that he spent years of his life trying to, and ultimately failing, to complete this, this novel. Um, but moments like that, moments like the first chapter, you know, just are really nice. They're sweet, and they, they do remind us that there is a tragedy here. Uh, not in that the family is going to fall apart, but in that this, this was... Some, something precious. It was something that was, this family was something that was valuable. Whatever little conflicts there may have been in the backdrop, and there are a few, it was a good thing that gets destroyed. Um, <clears throat> okay. So the next chapter, this is from Jay's point of view. Um, and uh, basically, Jay gets his notice. He gets his call. It's, it's one of two calls. So there's some kind of parallelism here in the, the the late night call of course it's all happening uh well it's happening over two days the first the first part of the book but he gets his call um uh late at night actually i, I missed something i think at the end of chapter one he says something like he's going to go out and he'll be back before it's too late or something like he's going out for more drinks um that's another kind of sense that there's alcohol a little bit of alcohol use by Jay, a little bit of alcoholism, but it's not like family wrenching kind of alcoholism. Anyway, the chapter two, he gets this notice, he gets this call from Ralph, and Ralph appears to be drunk. He, he's much more alcoholic than Jay. He's the younger brother. And he, he gets this note that his father's dying, that his kind of father's took suddenly ill. And there is some resentment in the family between like uh, Jay and Mary with this father, and mostly it has to do not with how they treated, he, they were treated by his father, but more how his father treated his mother. You know, it was, it's more like that 
it's a so, somewhat removed. So even that relationship was good, and it's good enough that that Jay immediately says I have to go, and Mary's okay with it. There's not like no idea that he shouldn't go. Um, but you know, and again, we see Jay and Mary's relationship is very good. Mary's trying to make him some breakfast because I guess it's early in the morning. Try, Mary's trying to make him some breakfast, and he's saying, "Oh, I can get something on the way." They're really helpful, helping each other and supportive of each other. Uh, now, this is the chapter that has like these two pages of car noises. Uh, this is very, very much modernist. This is the kind of thing you see in Joyce, I guess, where uh, he's just playing with sounds and trying to write the sounds of, of, of a car trying to start and the difficulty of the car starting. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of imagine we're kind of almost to Rufus's maybe point of view there too, hearing this, this happening from, from another room. Um, okay, then uh, chapter three, um, also from Jay's point of view, this is a short little chapter that just shows Jay, Jay driving at night, or I guess early morning, um, and and you kind of get this urban rural divide. I think this is drawn from life as well, where like I think Adji was of the south, and it's kind of connected, one generation removed from the countryside, um, and. Jay is as well. He kind of grew up in this rural area, moved into the city. Knoxville is, is where this is set, the, the city anyways. And he's driving to that countryside. It's a fairly long drive, but, you know, it's, it's, it's manageable. It's not really far. He has to go. Um, and then we kind of do this flipping back and forth for a little bit. Chapter four is Mary back at home. Um, and mostly she's thinking about her her relationship with Jay's father and she kind of regrets maybe disliking him a little bit. And again, it's, there's the hint of family tension, but it's not what this novel's about. This isn't like a family drama novel in that way. It's, 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 it's about a tragedy happening to a good, stable, well put together, happy family. Um, but it's there, it's in her mind, right? It's, and it's, I'm sure that is a common thought when you hear maybe someone's dying Maybe you'll never see this person again. You know, did you treat that person as well as you, you could? Now, Jay, we, we, I think we know by this point that Jay is essentially an atheist. It's, it's, expated, it's stated explicitly later on by, by Mary's brother. Mary, however, is very, very religious. Um, and I guess that's where Adji, James Adji, gets his own religious background from, from his mother's side. But she uh, thinks that she prays a lot. So she, she goes into a lot about uh, prayer and, and, and religion and meditation, her own meditation about her own life and the future and, and praying for her father-in-law, all these, these things. It's a fairly long segment um, of prayer, two or three pages, actually. So uh, chapter five, then, it's, this is more from the children's point of view, from Rufus and, and Catherine. Um, and so this is Mary trying to give the death talk to these young children, right? And, you know, Rufus, a little bit older, kind of understands death a little bit more than Catherine. Catherine's a little bit bored by it and not really following the conversation. But she gives the, the talk like, you know, grandpa may be dying and what death is. It's kind of a sleep that you don't wake up from and, and all, all, those, all those platitudes we say to children about death but she is fairly honest she doesn't use too many euphemisms it's not i mean i think as far as this conversation goes for that age group this is a a fairly mature uh rational depiction of, of death that she gives to to the children 
the next chapter is maybe the most interesting up to this point. It's it's about Ralph largely. So this is Jay arriving at the at like the family farm, um, and basically he learns that maybe Ralph was overreacting a little bit on the phone, and and he you know he, I think he's still he's drunk. Uh, you know, but more or less, we get this kind of pathetic nature of, of Ralph being um, both internally and how others see him and how he presents himself. Um, I think mostly this is from, from Ralph's point of view. I mean, he's really a bad alcoholic. Listen to this. Towards the, towards the end, all genuine emotion left him and he had to scrape, tickle and torture himself into sufficient feeling and sufficient evidence of an impending breakdown he would inflict on nobody. But at length, he felt he had achieved the proper moment and rushed headlong from the room, all but upsetting his wife in her rocking chair. The instant he was outside, he felt nothing in the world except the ferocity of his thirst. He leaned against the cabin wall, uncorked the bottle, wrapped his mouth over its mouth as ravishly as a famished baby takes the nipple and tilted straight up. With a slobbing groan, he struck his temple against the side of himself so violently he could scarcely keep his feet, flung the bottle as far from him as he was able. Oh, God, 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 he moaned, the tears itching his cheek. Fool, fool, fool. Why hadn't he made sure before he left his office? There couldn't have been more than half a dram left. You know, because he, he runs out of alcohol. Um, later on, he thinks this at the very end of the chapter. And here tonight, it comes to a test like a trial. One of the times in a man's life when he's needed and can be some good just by being a man. But I'm not a man. I'm a baby. Ralph is the baby. Ralph is the baby. That's all the chapter ends. Now, that's all, that's all we really get of Ralph, at least in the first half of the book. Maybe we get more in the second half, but um, really uh, not a very flattering picture. Uh, in chapter seven, we flip back to Rufus's household. And this chapter is mostly about Rufus and uh, his great aunt, Hannah Lynch. That's uh, his grandparents' sister, his mom's aunt, um, Hannah. And she calls and comes over and she wants to take Rufus shopping. Um, and this is like the last moment of joy for Rufus in the novel. Because I, 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 it's the last moment he has before his father dies, before he learns that his father dies. So it's like the excitement, this happiness before the tragedy comes, the end of happiness. And this is kind of is exemplified in his purchasing of this flamboyant hat. I mean, even Hannah's a, the doting aunt who's willing to spend this money on him and all that. But even she sort of says, huh, you want to buy that? That's kind of a little much. But she buys it anyways for him. Um, again, we're reminded this is a really, really happy, well put together family. Very supportive of each other. Um, so after this, chapter seven, we get a fairly lengthy series of italicized segments. Now, I'm not sure if these were made italic italicized by the editor. They seem to be fragments that maybe would have gone somewhere in the novel. Maybe they're always meant to be interludes between different parts. Uh, in fact, everything up to this point is called part one of the book. Um, and then it kind of ends with these italicized sections. Maybe they were just fragments he wrote. He was going to put them somewhere else. Maybe, other, maybe they were building up to other chapters. Obviously, this was an unfinished book, but the editors put them here. Uh, that's my understanding, is that these were put here as an interlude. And basically, they are a series of vignettes, very, very modernist, very Joycean in their approach. Uh, 
where we see Rufus growing up, such as I mean, he's not grown up yet, even in the when in the the, the time of the the novel takes place. But I mean, the first section is him literally as a baby, um, and it's his baby. He's trying to write point of view, stream of consciousness of a baby, and I've never seen that done before, frankly. Maybe other people have tried. I have never seen it, and I think it's kind of fascinating that this exists even i don't know if it works because again i find the novel ultimately boring and this part is no exception but the fact that he tries to write like this point of view chapter from a baby's point of view uh, is kind of wild um and then they've got different segments where we see different like slices of his of his youth uh we hear like songs being played we even see him like trying to interpret like changes in his mother, his mother getting fatter from like a very young child's point of view. Quote, for some time now, his mother had seemed different. Almost always when she spoke to him, it was as if she had something else very much on her mind. And so was making a special effort to be gentle and attentive to him. And it was as if whatever was, whatever it was that was on her mind was very momentous. Anyway, so what, what it is, is he's, she's pregnant with Catherine, right? And, he sees her getting fatter, getting larger, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't really can't interpret it as, as a baby. And eventually, I think they give him the news about Catherine coming or whatever. So there's, I think there's like three or four little mini chapters here. One, the baby one's actually the longest of these. And they, they just fit as a, a kind of a coda to this part one. Maybe they fit as a coda to the, if, if you want to look to some degree of the story as a, as a, not really coming of age, but a loss of innocence story, you know, then this puts an end to that section by showing us, by going back to the, the early childhood of, of Rufus. Um, it is a reminder that as much as we see other characters' minds and points of view, that Rufus is the main character here. He doesn't do anything really, but it's things that happen to him. And it's all about that experience. She's trying to analyze and, and, re, and, and understand this event, these experiences that happened to him when he was young. So then we get into part two of the book, starting with chapter eight. And this chapter or this section begins with three chapters, which basically we see the growing realization that Jay died on the return home. Um, so in chapter eight, Mary gets noticed that Jay had an accident, but there's no word on whether he died or not or, or if he was injured. And so she doesn't go, but other people go. I think Andrew, um, who is uh, her brother, ends up going. She's the one who calls, I think. And he ends up going, maybe bringing a doctor. And then from this point on, the novel gets progressively darker as we have this vigil, as these characters are waiting to hear the news, trying to under, you know, get the find out what what happened to DJ or find out his fate of course a very very horrible experience for anyone to to go through uh, right the just the not knowing is 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 as bad as the news in, in, in some cases um, the hope you have always have hope right you hope for the best and then your hopes get dashed it's, it's really horrible and I, I think Aggie does this as well as anyone I'm just not that interested in this particular um, type of story um, Maybe it's a good morning story. I mean, actually, like the morning watch, I also thought it was kind of boring, but 
it's like an Easter story. There's not many Easter stories out there. It kind of you got a lot of Christmas stories. Sorry, sorry, setting Christmas. Not that many stories set around Easter time, and it kind of works as a Easter as a Lent story, and it's doing something that all, that not that novel could only take place in Lent, right? And you know, so it's there for someone. I mean, I'm sure there are people who maybe had these experiences uh, who would really appreciate this this novel for what it does. I mean, it won the Pulitzer for some reason. That's a pretty respectable prize. Um, but anyways, um, chapter eight goes on a little bit, though. Um, but mostly it's about Mary thinking through what the consequences of this will be. Uh, chapter nine is Joel and Catherine. The, these are Mary's parents, and I think they're still in their house, but they got the news, too. And they're holding their own vigil, their own waiting at their home, and mostly they're feeling anxiety about the family's future. Um, and it's another pretty good relationship, another good, fairly supportive relationship. A little bit more patriarchal. I think we saw that with both of their parents, Jay and, and Mary's parents, that the older couples are a little bit more traditional in gender relations, a little bit more patriarchal, a little bit more uh, authoritarian father figures in that generation. But I think it's a generational thing, um, to be fair. And that's just, uh, and, and I think that's true to life, right? You know, by the 20th century, you start to get women with a little bit more autonomy in the family. It's not, you know, total autonomy yet. Certainly no end to all sorts of social inequities between men and women. But right, that traditional patriarchal family is, is beginning to be replaced by something new and different. We even see that in the first chapter in the relationship between Rufus and, and Jay, which is a more kind of modern parenting style. It's not a, you know, he's taking them to the movies, he takes them to a bar, he's joking with them, having fun with them. They're playing around. Um, so anyways, uh, chapter nine is Joel and Catherine's vigil. And then in chapter 10, the last one I want to talk about today, we get uh, the news. Andrew just walks into the house with the news that Jay has died. Uh, that he died and he died instantly. And Mary kind of, there's a little bit of a debate here that's kind of interesting about what's better to die instantly and not know you're dying or to, to know you're dying so you can come, come to peace with the world. And Andrew says, well, Jay wasn't religious, so he didn't have to make peace with the world. So it's best he just dies without knowing it. And that seems to be what happened is he died instantly. But Mary, much more religious, has still has this idea that, that he, he should be somehow making peace with, with his past, his family, his God, whatever. Um, and so that's halfway through the book. That's the halfway point, more or less, uh, at least chapter-wise. There's, there's 20 chapters in this book. That's the first 10. Um, and so it takes us that long to get to the death in the family. So the second half of the book will then be the consequences, the ramifications of this, of this death on this, on this family. Uh, so what, what impact will this tragedy have? And I haven't read all of it yet. I'm still kind of working my way through it. But I... Yeah, I'll let you know what happens. I'm not even sure how it, how it ends up. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be drama-filled. It's, it's not what this novel is going for. It's not going to be the breakdown of... This death is not going to cause some dramatic rupturing of, of the entire family, I think. We get enough evidence that this is a, a solid, supportive family. And, and that's how Adji grew up, right? His life didn't end, obviously. So, um, so we'll see where it goes. Um, it's an interesting experiment, and it take a, an event from your very young life to 
try to recall it and remember it. I mean, how many of us can really remember what happens to us, even tragic and, and memorable things from that age, and to remember it accurately, and to work on getting to the heads of your parents, uh, and getting to the head of the father you lost when you were seven, or grandparents you probably hadn't seen for a very long, very long time. Um, and then to know where your life goes and to write blinkering yourself from all those later events, you know, because, um, you know, that's part of it as, as well as you had, you know, Adji had, you know, 40 years of life after this, uh, where a lot of things are going to happen um, that are going to be ramifications of this or just put this in, in a different context. Um, but he has to kind of remove himself from all that. Um, anyways, interesting. Is it worth reading? I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind when I finish it. But right now, I, I just think it's a bit of a, a chore. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a drag for me. Um, but I, I kind of feel that way about a lot of Adji's work. I think he certainly was talented. It's, uh, it's sad he died so young. But I don't know. It's not the kind of writer I'm probably going to go back to um, again. Maybe let us now praise famous man if I get an audiobook version. But the rest, I'm not sure. Um, this is maybe a good book to also have as an audiobook version. But again, not public domain. So no LibriVox. Sure, they do have audiobook versions. You have to buy it, though. So anyways, uh, let me know what you think if you read this book. Um, share your thoughts. I'll give you the rest of my thoughts next time in the next episode. But uh, for now, that's all I really want to say about The Death in the Family by, by James Adgey. Give me your comments, send me an email, I'll see you next time. We can all agree what we need for the people is the farm relief. Rent too high and the market too low. We ask for credit and they all say no. We got good people and they all know well what the poor old farm.